Okay. So, yeah, we record these. And uh, if you are listening on podcasts, uh, you might hear some other responses. So that's what we want on Wednesday night. Anyway, anybody want to shout out? Oh, come on, man. Wolf, I'm... I'm Depends on the day. Okay. Well, that's a great answer. It fluctuates. Okay. Wow, you're a ten, man. I mean, I don't. To be honest, I don't hit ten. That might jar you as pastor, but I mean, faith is like a big. There's always some of us, you know, who are maybe naturally skeptical can have doubts. Else had a hand up. Armin, I know you brother going to give a shout out. What? Three in the past few weeks. I think we can all say that uh, that our faith fluctuates, and you know, today I was thinking about faith. You know, on, on this date, November, uh, September 11th, and I don't know about y'all, but I, I mean, I talk to people who lost their faith today, or because of this date, their faith dramatically and drastically changed. Uh, I mean, when you see the uh, some of the great handiworks of mankind, I mean, twin towers would be pretty pretty significant there, you know, crumble down. Look, I know I ask, you know, what is going on? Uh, God, where are you? What is happening to our world? I mean, is this Jesus' return? You know, I mean, it, you, know, I mean you hear about these, like, apocalyptic events, and, and others like, you know, the, the dead, the injured, the trauma. You know, wh- where is God in all this? One other question before we get into Scripture. Thanks for y'all. 11, what are some other things that might weaken your faith? Maybe it's in a person, maybe it's in, an, what is something that might weaken your faith? Prayers that go unanswered for a long, long period of time. Family tragedy. Someone, um, someone taken too soon. Anything else? I like that. I like that. I mean, when some, some agnostic or atheist or hedonist is like living large and here, you know, going to every Wednesday night or every small group, doing your quiet time, and like you're struggling and you don't have a job, yeah, that's real. Anything else? Faith. Okay, let's, let's talk faith. So if you have your Bibles, I'd ask someone, we're all going to start in Genesis chapter 11. But if someone first, I'm going to read Genesis 11. But if someone could read Hebrews 11, 1. We're going to begin in Genesis 11. We're going to do three uh, aspects of faith tonight. And we're going to talk about that. The first being 
the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, and then we're going to talk about Abraham and Isaac, and then we're going to talk about Moses. We're going to go from Babel to the burning bush, all in less than 30 minutes. So anyway, but I'd like someone to just read, because I haven't marked it in my Bible, so I can't. Anyway, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Somebody got that? Yeah. Heisel? Or, <laughs> huh? Which? Heisel, hit it. That verse says faith is. I mean, it's really defining faith. Confidence in what we hope for. And I don't know about y'all, but things I hope for, I don't have yet. So it's saying you're confident that what we may not have or don't see will be attained. And then assurance, and how did it end? About what we do not see. Yeah, what we don't see, we're assured that it can be reality so I really think Hebrews 11 I mean they're great verses on faith that's the one in my mind if you like want to know you know what faith is we're going to hit Hebrews 11 again um, yet that is it's known in the Bible as the chapter of faith that goes through really scripture so you can check that out but starting in Genesis 11 and we're in Genesis if you're new here we're going through the entire Bible uh, in nine months so we're Bald strokes, definitely not hitting every verse, definitely not hitting every story, but things that, uh, that we think are important. And we each night kind of has a theme, so tonight's is faith. Uh, and we're going to have different teachers integrated into this. Joseph taught uh, last week. Chris is going to teach. Scott Rambo, he doesn't know, but he's going to teach one night. So we're going to have different folks come up. But let's start with the Tower of Babel. And this is, a, um, this is an interesting uh, passage it is uh, it can be confusing so anyway let's just hit it I'm gonna read verse 1 through 9 Genesis 11 the whole earth had one language and the same words as people migrated from the east they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there they said to one another come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly they had brick for stone bitumen for mortar and they said come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens let us make a name for ourselves, lest we dis be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people. They have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Okay, uh, Babel, y'all may have read this. Uh, I don't recommend the movie of the same title. Not a good movie, but y'all probably haven't seen that. Anyway, it's a story, you know, Genesis... We began a couple weeks ago when we looked at Genesis 1, we looked at Genesis 2. Um, a lot of scholars say that from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11, I mean, it was really like weird times. I mean, you had, um, you know, you had, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, you know, where did Cain's, you know, wife come from? And then you have kind of like um, actually a verse that gods were intermingling with humans. And then you have, you know, everybody speaking the same language. Genesis 12, everything changes. 
And that's when God chooses a man and a people as descendants, Abraham. But here we've gone from the garden where we were created and meant to live with God to people being ambitious and wanting to build a city, even a tower for themselves that would reach to the heavens. So my question for y'all tonight, anybody can answer. I mean, this is kind of Q&A. We want it to be back and forth. What would this passage have to do with faith? Or maybe what does it not have to do with faith? Anybody? Well, let me give you a hint. It's kind of a key verse. It is verse 4. And five or six words there. I'm not good at math. But it says, let us make a name for ourselves. Hey, with y'all. Wait, hold on. Does anybody like want to make a name for themselves? Let me help y'all out. Hey, I do. I do. Chris is nodding his head over there. I know he does, brother. Hey, I want to na- make a name for myself. I mean, it's like it's a little thing called sin. It's a little thing called human nature. I want to make a name for Bellwether. We're, we're building this. We're going to have a really nice big name that says Bellwether out front. We want our names to matter. And here all the way back says, let us make a name for ourselves. What does that have to do with faith? Or what does that have to do with a lack of faith? Okay. Put yourselves above God. You know, one thing that is, uh, that is interesting here in that, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and they're kind of separate. You ever wonder, like, why couldn't God just create heaven and earth together? I don't know. Maybe we can ask God that one day. But he created them separate. But in the beginning, God was coming down to us. You know, there's this great verse that says that the Lord, you know, uh, what does it say? He, you know, walked in the garden in the cool of the day. You know, I always envision him having like a smoking jacket on. I know that's like bad, but I just envision, you know, the cane and, you know, can't you see the Lord, you know, working on it? Um, that's a great verse. And, but the Lord comes down to us, you know, and for some reason that was how he intended it. But here we're trying to get to God. We're trying to build a tower to God which is upside down, topsy-turvy. Because God designed, he would come to us. He comes to us now. We like, we want to get to God. We want to make a name for ourselves in this building that will reach the heavens. So there is this significant, in this passage, I think it's very um, indicative in showing that there is this lack of faith that they had then with constructing Babel that we can have now in our attempts to make a name for ourselves. There's this lack of faith in what God provides for the present and in, in like the here and now and in, in what he has given us. Does that make sense? It was probably a sign of their desire to control when they could go to God. Too. True. Control. Mm-hmm. Control. Um, getting to God. How you get to God. Being able to at any time. And Armin. That's okay. No, you can say I'm wrong. I'll say you're wrong back, but please do. Just trying, trying to get to God, not thinking He's there, and so. Yeah. 
No, I th- and I think that that's, um, uh, I mean, I think you're right on in a sense that, you know, when you see something, let's bring back into uh, the story of the picture of 9-11, and when you see that happening, uh, a lot of people lost faith, I mean, I think on that, and you know, now we're trying to, or some people might try to do all they can to get to God, and we can, um, and I could say this is true about me at certain times, and I think a lot of us that, you know, we don't see either, you know, God in our everyday life, uh, we take him for granted, uh, how he works, we take his blessings for granted. Uh, to me, okay, and this is just personally, the the Tower of Babel story is people saying, you know, I I'm not content with what God has given me in the here and now. I want more. I want more for my name. I want more maybe for my family. I'm not, I don't have enough faith in what God has for me. And there can be a restlessness and striving. And here we see it at this, you know, massive degree trying to build this tower. So, and that can be the same thing for someone who, you know, doesn't see God and trying to get there and doing everything they can because, you know, they want to see him and they miss out on him, you know, every day, every minute. So, but just to, uh, if there are the thoughts, feel free to, to fire away right now. But I, I do think the Tower of Babel is showing us that, you know, God God is giving us, has given us, you know, given us everything in Jesus, but he's given us so many blessings, so many reasons to have faith, and our human nature can say it's not enough. You know, we want to make ourselves God. We want to make a name for ourselves and, and attempt to do that in our, in our buildings, in our projects. I, one quick story. I was, uh, I don't, I hadn't been to New York City many times. I've been there a couple of times, uh, and I was there this summer, <coughs> and for the first time, I got to really jog through Central Park. I did a a long run, and there's this lake in Central Park. You can run around, and it's just a spectacular view if you run at the right times. Because on one side you've got, you know, this this line of of buildings of skyscrapers. Then you've got the trees, and if the sun's setting, it reflects off these buildings. And I thought to myself actually about the Tower of Babel, in that here you have, you know, man's greatest handiworks. You know, the architects, the builders, they built these buildings. But the reason it looks so striking, so magnificent, is God's touch. God's touch with the sun illuminating off those buildings. And that, you know, it hit me. It's like even in, you know, even in man or women or humanity's, you know, greatest works, I mean, the touch of God, you know, is still what, is still what makes it so beautiful. So not having faith in the present, we strive for ourselves, for our name, to get to God, and that's, well, it, it didn't help the people of Babel, and it doesn't help us today. So, any other questions before we move on?
Yeah. Yeah, what Denise is saying is, you know, having making it an idol or making it your Babel or your, or your Babylon, which actually that's where the word Babylon comes from, Babel, and and not seeing, you know, either God's work in your life or you know making a name, then maybe God, um, I mean, God, God can hold. I mean, I, I believe this, and this can be a whole nother Wednesday night, but God can hold back blessings, can hold back answers to prayers if we continue, you know, to tie it to this passage, making a name for ourselves, if we continue to you know, elevating ourselves above God. So, you know, I'll stop there. Y'all might have a question on that. And that, that'll take a whole other Wednesday night. Huh? Elizabeth? Okay, please do share. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I, I remember that too. I wasn't going to say that, but I was wondering if somebody was going to pick, because, yeah, it, uh, they, no, no, no. I was just, uh, you know, comparing. There's always a contrast in Scripture. You talk about the gospel through the whole Bible, what they're doing. There's, there's this contrast between Babylon and the New Jerusalem. Babylon is the city of man, Jerusalem, the city of God. And, that yeah, the Babylon of America, what they would say, you know, the verses, well, their God. As Muslim, um, but that's a. Mm-hmm. They tried to equate that to, to that. They tried to make that argument. Um, let's go to Genesis 22, another aspect of faith, and again these are broad strokes. I mean Genesis 22, we could teach months on <laughs> this chapter, uh, which is Abraham, and it's a classic story about his uh, his willingness to sacrifice his own son. Isaac, and it says a lot about faith. So we're going to read chapter 22, verse 1 through uh, 14. So, would anybody like to take that? Okay, I will. Verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not 
withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. I want to look at an aspect of faith with this, this great story, this passage about faith in the future. Abraham, Joseph talked about him last week, Genesis 15. Genesis 12, everything changes. God calls Abraham, his people. He says, you know, your descendants are going to be like stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. And here he's asking him to take his only son and offer him as a sacrifice. How does this, how does this show faith? Let me help you all out. Abraham had to believe that something was going to happen in the future. Going back to the verse that Hyph said, confidence in the hope. Abraham has been given this hope that says, you know, Abraham, I'll give you, I mean, you're, you're going to be the guy. I mean, your descendants will go, go over all the earth. You are a chosen man, chosen family. And here he's saying, but you got one son, and now I'd like you to sacrifice him to me. Abraham had showed great faith. Faith that even if you know he sacrificed his own son it says here your only son that God would provide he even names the mountain the Lord would provide so it's not just faith in the present it's faith tomorrow faith for next week that God will provide and this is a, a great lesson for us I mean what if God calls you to do something and totally messes up your you know, either your game or your plans or your agenda, uh, do you believe that the Lord will provide? I mean, this is an extreme example, you know, children. Do we have faith in the future? Do we have faith that the Lord will provide? I mean, you know, I, I sound like a broken record on the, the building deal, but, you know, can rewind where, you know, we've had hiccups at Bellwether, you know, not knowing, you know, where we would land, you know, the Lord provided. I mean, I, you know, I want to say I always had a 10 faith on that, but, you know, I'm also human too. Uh, but now it has really strengthened my faith that, man, God does move and God does provide and I have faith in the future. I, and I would say my faith is stronger right now in that, you know, I let go of more stuff. Uh, you know, I don't try to control as much. I don't try to, you know, build our babbles because I do believe God will provide for the future. J.J.? I want to um, be conscious on time. There, there are two really important things, actually a couple, but two really important things I want you all to see. Some of you all here may be struggling in your faith. Uh, some of you all here may have no faith. Some of you all may be been drug here. Uh, you know, I don't know where totally your life is. The thing we can always have faith in is not a thing, it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. 
And we talked here Wednesday night about the gospel through the whole Bible. So these stories in Genesis are great. We want you to see the, the gospel. We want you to see Jesus in all of this, who is our faith. This uh, chapter, this passage, a couple things. I'm just going to throw out and just see if they trigger anything in your mind. I get like cold chills reading this, but I'm kind of gooby nerdy like that. Verse 4, chapter 22, on the third day. On the third day. Does that resonate with anybody? What happened on the third day? He resurrected. So on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. Saw the place from afar. Something else. And this y'all may have never. Yes, Heisel. Verse 8. Good job, sir. Heisel. Uh, prophecy, uh, allusion to, um, but even more so than that, and this is something I want y'all to see. This is something y'all may have never heard in Sunday school, and you may disagree with this, okay? Because b- biblical scholars, um, they're not 100% on this. Uh, Scott Rambo could probably tell you all that, but it is a, uh, it's pretty awesome, and I I mean, I'll tell you my position after laying it out. But verse 11, let me just read it. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The angel of the Lord, uh, that literal translation, you, you read it and you think, okay, it's an angel. The Lord's angel. It's, it's a different wording in the Hebrew that actually means a, a messenger, God's messenger. Uh, it's more of a special um, person like dignitary Uh, many people okay many like legit evangelical conservative scholars this is not like some far you know letter this is they believe that that is let me give you these words the pre-incarnate christ okay a little highfalutin word there pre-incarnate meant you know we sing songs and actually say the word incarnation at christmas we love christmas here before the incarnation okay before the son father son holy spirit that the angel of the lord that was Jesus. That was who we think of as Jesus. That was the Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying you've got to agree on that because it's not like it, it's not the, the major, although I'm just telling you, I mean, a lot of like really godly men and women who, you know, this is not some, again, some off the charts thing, but they believe that that uh, is Jesus. And then, because there's so many like, um, there's so many allusions really to Christ here. To the son, to the father offering the son, to the third day, the angel of the Lord, and this is even—I mean—I really get cold chills on this. When Abraham, you know, he—he uh, he did not, you know, he didn't have to kill his son, and then he saw a ram, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Verse seven. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So what I'm trying to say is, what a lot of folks allude to in this chapter, is that the pre-incarnate Christ, the son, was standing there seeing, you know, Abraham asking, where is the lamb for the offering? Does that ring a bell? Showing the lamb that was offered as a burnt sacrifice. Knowing the plan that would happen that he would be part of. Okay, this is like, this is like the gospel through the Bible. This is like big time stuff. This is like cosmic stuff here. That's why I get cold chills. But we can, we can discuss it for the next three minutes. Plenty of time. 
Anyway, questions on that? God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son, yeah. A ram. Because the lamb. The lamb, you're right. Yeah. The lamb, you're right. Dr. Wolf. There you go. <laughs> Very nice. Nicely done. Nice touch there. Okay. Any other comments? Um, one other passage I want to share. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but tied to this, tied to this idea of faith, uh, tied to this idea of the angel of the Lord, uh, Christ, turn to Exodus 2, okay? Now, Babel showed us that we can have faith in the present. Genesis 22, the sacrifice, uh, Abraham's test, let's say that. And God can test all of us. Let me say this. Testing is different than tempting, okay? God can test us, read Job. Uh, hopefully not to that extreme, but God can test us. Shows that we can have faith in the future above all in Christ. If you have nothing else, you have Jesus and what he has done for us. The lamb, you know, given as the burnt offering for all of us, the sacrifice. Now then, last thing I want to say, and I want to be conscious of time again, but you may not have faith in the present, you may not have faith in the future. Let's say you do. Sometimes we struggle to have faith in ourselves. Um, we uh, say, yeah, I know God provides now. I know he provides in the future. But uh, some of us have very, very low self-esteem. I don't need to have a show of hands, but have a very low self-esteem. And say, yes, God works. And yes, God will provide. But not through me. Not me. Uh, call, no. I mean, go, no, sent, no. Not my, could never use me. And that's why I wanted to close tonight that we can have faith in ourselves that God can work through us. And that's a very key core value at Bellwether that anyone can be a leader for Christ. Exodus 2 and 3. And this is Moses. Moses in the, uh, the burning bush. I'm going to read this quickly. If y'all just bear with me. Moses, uh, Exodus 2, starting with verse 23. This says, During those many days the king of Egypt died. The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, cried out for help. Their cry from rescue from slavery came up to God. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Moses was in the wilderness in Timbuktu, been cast out, ran, fled from the palaces, the splendor of Egypt. Start in verse 3, and I'm going to paraphrase for a little bit. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, led his flock to the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, sound familiar? Angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Moses said, I will turn to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. He said, do not come near. Take your sandals off, for you are standing on holy ground. 
Verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. I've come to deliver them. Verse 9, now behold, the cry of the people of Israel is come to me. I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress him. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of God, out of Egypt. But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be a sign that I have sent you. You have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? What shall I say? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. Stop right there. Two things I want to say quickly again. First, if you have no faith at all, either in the present or in the future, or even in yourself, it begins and ends with Jesus. The angel of the Lord from Genesis 22, we see this figure, let's call him a figure again. The, the same translation, direct, the angel of the Lord is calling Moses out of the burning bush. And he's saying, you know, I'm calling you, I'm sending you to rescue my people. Now, some of you might be, okay, great, if you want to believe that's Jesus and that can be powerful, but still, what does it have to do with faith in, you know, myself, ourself? When Moses asks God, you know, what's your name? Who do I say you are? He says, I am who I am. Uh, okay, great. And you're like, it's clear as the Mississippi River, right? Um, I am who I am, though. A more direct translation uh, literally is, I am with you. That this God, the creator of the universe, speaking out of the burning bush, Moses would have heard, I am with you. I'm with you as a chosen people. I'm with you, Moses. And Moses, he, he goes on he, three or four times. It's that not me, can't do it. This is Moses, you know, Charlton Heston looking, you know, parting the seas. We'll talk about that next week. Moses says, I can't do this. And it's God saying, I am with you. So the promise that we can end with tonight, and, you know, my hope in this is, yes, you see the gospel, you begin with the gospel, which is salvation in Jesus, but you have faith that, man, God can, God can use you in, in great ways. And we see this all the way back here with this, you know, cast away from Egypt, Moses, this, the shepherd, the image of the shepherd, it resonates from Moses to David to Christ. And it's God saying, I am with you. I am with you. He is with you now. He is with us now. I want you to know that and have faith in that today on this, this day of days. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for our time. Thank you for uh, your gospel. There's so many, it's like, a, uh, it's like a jewel, it's like a prism. There's so many angles, and I thank you for this opportunity that we can really try to, try to, try to dig deep and, and look into uh, this, the, the beauty of your gospel. I pray for faith myself, uh, for the present, for the future, and that you use us as these, these broken vessels uh, these broken pieces of glass that you shape into mosaic for your kingdom and your glory. And may these, your people, who you love and who you're with, may they know that tonight, uh, on this day when we have memories, and uh, may we be used by you for others who might have doubts, um, that you are, not only are you here with us, you have saved us, and we have eternity to spend with you in glory. And dear Lord, as I say that, I know that that sounds like you know, the Sunday school answer, but it is so true. So I pray that we would have faith, not try to make a name for ourselves,
but know that you have provided everything for the now, for the future. And it's all in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you all for being here tonight. We're just going to close with that. And um, anyway, man, y'all stay around, visit, hang out, coffee, and uh, hope to see y'all next week. Okay.